Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Oh, awesome. The joys of technology, but we're here. Fantastic. <laughs> I've made it. Oh, it is, at, we we're just talking about the snow. It's a very snowy Wednesday morning, and I am delighted to be joined via the internet, albeit by Red Singer Songwriter. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Total pleasure. As I was saying, I was just totally fangirling you before we started recording. I feel like I've been following you. Like, I'm an OG fan. Like, I've been here from the day dot. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. I just can't, I'm just i literally spamming everybody's social media recently because there's nothing else to do in this lockdown except from sing and post videos. So, yeah, you've probably seen me all over your newsfeed sick in my face. Not at all. I mean, I, I don't have the words. Like, I'm in total awe and have been from day dot with your voice. Like, it is oh my God. something else. Thank you. Thanks. I do appreciate it. I hate compliments. I, d- I just don't know how to deal with them. <laughs> I think it's amazing, but then I'm like, oh, 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 thanks. I don't know what to say back. It's like you have an instrument and you know how to play it. And that's what I was impressed by a way back. I mean, I was scrolling back on your YouTube channel because I've followed it for years. And I was trying to think like when I started following and it must have been up 10 years ago. I remember you being was in like a conservatory with your keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, oh my God, you are an OG. I know. Somebody can have a good voice in inverted commas and, and or a unique tone or something mm. that stands out about them. But I just feel like what you have is the ability to play your instrument, your voice, like you have just so much control over it. So we need to get into all of that, but it's amazing. We'll stop gushing. <laughs> I love you already. <laughs> so you are currently in London, is that right? I am, yeah, yeah. But we were just saying that we actually are, we, we grew up kind of five minutes up the road from each other. So you're totally. not, you're from sunny Cumbernauld. And a, yeah, just taking you back for a, a second to your childhood. What is your earliest memory of singing, performing, even if it was just at home? Like the moment you felt like somebody had said, do you know what? You can sing. Oh, gosh. I mean. I mean, it's very cliche, but my mum and my dad always said that I genuinely was dancing in my my pram and, and singing away to songs before I even said, like, a sentence. It was, and I know that is very cliche. I think a lot of singers do say that. Like, a lot of Motown was played in my house, a lot of soul music, Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, Whitney, um, Celine were huge in, in the household. So I used to just sing along. And the first song that I ever sang um which is actually very similar to my friend Lisa as well who's a singer um was My Heart Will Go On so when I seen Celine Dion last year at Hyde Park I was in awe I just couldn't believe it like it was just mad my mum always tells me this story of singing um and the do you know where you can put your your child in the trolley and ask yes (laughs) I remember I was singing to the checkout lady like My Heart Will Go On like when I was like three or four and I used to put on wee shows and stuff like that um, in front of my fireplace. That's right. That was the iconic place that I used to go up the stairs, practice some songs, and I'd be like, Mom, Dad, oh my God, you've got to see me. I'm fantastic. <laughs> of course. I really believed in myself at four years old. I'd come down and I've got the wee outfit on and I've dressed myself all up and I'm singing bloody Whitney Houston, I Have Nothing. That's so funny. 
That's amazing. It's so funny you say my heart will go on. So I'm a bit older than you, and I remember that being a time in my life where any wedding that there was, it was like, can you sing that song? And I, I sang it at teen weddings. That and Shania Twain, that one looks like we made it. I love that. That's probably what we get now with bloody Ed Sheeran. Every bride at one point a couple of years ago wanted Ed Sheeran. But that's so funny. Like you, you have those memories of growing up in the house and just music being just a kind of everyday occurrence and that you had the confidence to like find your voice and perform for your family, albeit, but you know, it's like that, those kind of formative years where you'd found this like talent or thing that you love to do something that made you feel good and your family were supporting that they were so supportive I can't even tell you and I used to feel is looking back now I can't believe my dad put up with me I used to literally do wee choreographed dance routines in front of him whilst he's trying to watch Coronation Street and I have one I've got a video on my iPad my dad passed a couple of years ago and I've got a video on my iPad of me literally doing high kicks and try to go into the splits whilst he's literally watching Easties. And I'm like, oh my God, how did he put? And he, he never said a word either. Didn't even blink. He just, he was so funny. Let me away with murder. And I used to be screaming up there or screaming in the conservatory, trying to hit Christina Aguilera high notes because I was determined. <laughs> From a young age, were you like, this is what I want to do with my life? Not, not necessarily thinking, you know, in terms of career, but just like, I want to always sing and perform. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, my parents were incredibly supportive that they went to the extent of remortgaging the house to fund a lot of the, the lessons in my theatre schools. And flat. we flew across the world and I was had a mad management in LA when I was 12. And it was just, I was doing all these additions and all the money that was spent was literally remortgaging the house because I come from a working class background. So it's not, money wasn't growing on trees. And But they knew that, I, I would say to a certain extent, I was definitely gifted. I could hold a tune from being very young without any lessons whatsoever. Um, and I've got little videos and stuff that are on YouTube that I sometimes share that's like me singing Never Had a Dream Come True by S Club 7. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly so cute. I've got the wee bangs. I've got wee, a wee fringe and I'm just so small and petite and I've got my dance leotard on and I'm just giving it everything. Um, but yeah, from a very young age, I just loved it. I just wanted to be a pop star and I used to watch was all these old school music video channels that you used to have TMF and four music and all that all that stuff you used to get even with friends they must have get fed up with me it was literally I would take them in from outside like rather than playing outside I'm like come in the conservatory like because Christina Aguilera's just up, just uh, posted this music video am I gonna learn the dance <laughs> I feel like we would have been excellent friends because like we've got uh, home videos of me and I'm just like I was so obnoxious and I had a wee sister my wee sister so just constantly was putting her in shows that she wasn't really wanting to be in but yeah, she had no choice dressing them up I had a wee boy pal actually that lived like three doors away from me and yeah dressed him up <laughs> clearly from a young age you had identified that you had the talent and you had a passion for music so had your family but yeah. then to have management at that age what was that whole time in your life like can you remember much about it it was madness because I was torn between I loved singing and I loved performing. There was obviously times in my childhood where I felt like, oh, I'd be dreading going to these classes or whatever. But then when I got there, I did, you would literally have to drag me out of the class. But it was more leaving my friends that were playing in the street, like climbing trees or just that usual stuff. But then I'd get I'd get my I'd go there and I had all this 
this huge like community of friends like from like from all over Glasgow and I had this I had my dancer friends I had my singer friend it was just I had all these friends and I loved it like I just adored it but yeah I was it was I was torn when I was younger because I used to feel that I was missing out but I think when you're younger you just want to play with your friends and don't be taken out that situation and then when I got there I just absolutely loved it my mum would be trying to drag me out of the class like so I just adored it from a very young age and in terms of like getting that management was that something that you pursued or was that somebody kind of scouting you and saying like you've got a voice we know what we can do with that my mum was great she was kind of like a mummager to be honest (laughs) and she literally would um would look for opportunities and we would get a lot of people coming to us as well saying um there'll be like leaflets and flyers and stuff that go around your school and things like that for open mics or singing competitions to get involved in and and just um stuff like that so that's where the management actually came in because we seen um a dance company in Glasgow she's a fantastic dance teacher so she took a bunch of kids over to this convention in Florida and it was extortionate I think it was like three grand a kid it was literally it was a lot of money back then and um it was actors models talent competition you did like the runway stuff you had a monologue you had your dance choreographed like solo piece then you did your song and then there was a callback day at the very end of that full week and it was different casting directors from all over America that went and did it. And it was a couple of managers that were interested. One in New York, who was more for the musical theatre Broadway side of things. But I always knew that even though I had musical theatre background when I was younger and I loved that, um, I wanted to be a pop star. I, I wanted that. And I had that voice that was not necessarily MT. Like I, I loved to do all the runs and the riffs and um, all that pop star stuff, yeah. type, basically. And that's what came natural to me. And obviously with musical theatre singing, it's very straight. Well, it's kind of, it's different now, actually. But back then, mm. it was more straight. And um, and I think it's such a skill. I have many friends that are in the West End and I just envy them so much. Eight shows a week and the stamina for that and just, yeah, your voice. Like, mm. voice is a muscle at the end of the day. So I just, yeah, I've got not, nothing but mad respect for those people that are in Broadway and in the West End. But yeah, so I've, I I ended up with management in LA that was based in LA, and um, she was fab. Like she was she was fantastic. It just was not meant to be because of the financial situation. But I was going back and forth to LA probably five times a year. We did that for two years until I was about fifteen, and then it just happened to be. I was, and I was in rooms with really influential producers that had worked with Usher and like Neo and like Chris Brown and and all these amazing amazing R&B singers. Um, the list was endless and yeah it was just and it was just madness to be honest I can't even so then obviously at this moment in time I'm 12 and I'm, I'm absolutely loving it at this point also I'm, I'm not academic in the slightest so school wasn't really for me anyway like the two hires that I walked away with was music and drama <laughs> it's like that's what I loved um but yes I wasn't very academic so I was trying to do like revisions and all this homework for my for my bloody hires and my standard grades back then that on the flight on my 12-hour flight to LA so then I, it was just madness trying to balance it all and it was just amazing it's such an opportunity and I was doing all these like Disney editions and Nickelodeon editions because back then it was like the way of getting in the industry and being like a little prodigy was almost that Hannah Montana route Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, all those um, female artists that ended up kind of having their own TV show on Disney. And then from there, that's when they got signed by Hollywood Records and had an album out. So it was that was your way of launching. 
so being a triple threat was really important. So that's why I was doing all, I was doing acting, I was I was dancing, and I was hitting these amazing dance classes, and and then also in the studio at all times of night. And it was just it was amazing. And then it all stopped. It was just it was devastating. But it was just it all stopped because I again one money had run out like there's only so much when you remortgage a house what that's going to take especially when you're flying back and forth and accommodation and lessons and everything's expensive um and then the visa thing was a massive problem so you need a working visa that's extortionate and also very difficult to get because you need to prove that you're already very established in the UK for them to see you're going to bring like you're, it's going to be beneficial for them to give you a visa that oh, you're going yeah. to pay for the US, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're thinking by the time you're a teenager, you're well into your teens, you've got so much experience that some adults can only dream of having. Do you think you've just had that kind of, like the head you've got on your shoulders now, like from a young age, you were quite kind of obviously set on what you wanted to do and mature about it. And cause it sounds like you had like a, a major work ethic from a young age. I was. I've always been incredibly driven. I've always been incredibly driven and just very determined. Um, I don't think in life anyone hands you anything on a plate and I just think you need to work hard. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. um, I feel like sometimes my brain's a bit frazzled because I'm I'm always on the go and I'm always thinking what's next and how I can jump at this opportunity and that opportunity and, and how what like thinking the bigger picture and what that can bring to me and what contacts I can meet and and yeah and just try a bit trying to better myself. So yeah, I mean the experience that I had, yeah, I definitely would say looking back now a hundred percent with that like wisdom and an under, a better understanding of the industry as well. Um so I was very naive back then. So I really think that it's it's possible that I just would have kind of been taken for a mug almost because you know what it's like. Like our our industry's very um fickle and it's just it's brutal to be honest. So I think yeah. with having a young head and that happening, don't know if I would have been mentally prepared for that just yet. So it's definitely helped me be the person that I am today with having gone through all of that. Mm-hmm. I guess like this, the age of social media, you were growing up when social media was starting to take off and like, like I'm saying, like YouTube and stuff. So do you feel like that had a massive impact in terms of getting your name out there and, you know, getting yourself known as an artist as you moved into kind of adulthood and thinking, right, I am per- still pursuing this. This is definitely the dream. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I almost feel like I do believe everything happens for a reason. I don't think that I was ready back then as much as I felt ready. And I was and I was hungry for it, and I knew I had the bones of like being someone um, talented, and like I could, I definitely could have with all the training in the world. Like I was, I was definitely ready for it. But I just looking back now, really wasn't ready for it. You know what it's like being a teenager. You think I can do anything, and oh, I can like, do you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, okay. looking back years later, you're thinking, do you know what? I don't think you'd have been able to cope. And mm. also with my dad passing um, four years ago, like. I'm thinking God works in mysterious ways as well. And I'm thinking if I went over there without my parents and was just like going down that industry route, I would have lost a lot of years with him. So I'm quite grateful for that. It might have been that I was meant to stay and have quality family time and then it was time to... So that was one of the reasons why I moved to London as well because I was coming back and forth um, for years. And then when my dad passed, I was like, no, I need to... take matter and matters into my own hands here and just grab it and go but yeah I do believe everything happens for a reason I guess it's like about tapping into that gut because you have all that experience now you've been on all these situations like now you're informed so 
if something feels right, you're going to jump at that opportunity. I can make it. I can make good decisions these days. I feel like I can suss things out, and I know mm. what feels good and what feels doesn't what feels contrived, or it feels mm. like positive and negative. I just know what's best for me, which is good. Mm. Um, yeah. So with social media, yeah, I mean, I mean, I was I was there for the beginning of YouTube. Like, I wasn't like I was watching and I was observing. And I was watching all these different, like, especially a girl called Esme Denter. She was like one of the first that was massive on YouTube, and then obviously Justin Bieber. My um, earliest moment like of Justin Bieber was Baby was huge and when I was in LA. And I remember my dad driving about in this beautiful hired car. It was a Lexus. I think he was living his best life. He was just <laughs> um, my mum was far too scared to drive on the other side of the road. So he was the one that took control. And I remember him playing in the radio. And I thought, again, this is me with the dreams so big. And like my head must have been just exploding with being in LA and just thinking I was just this... I was going to be this massive pop star and I'm thinking, oh, I can just see. And I was like, mum, I can just see me and Justin walking down that red carpet together. <laughs> but listen, that's how you've got to think. Like, you know, it's not to poo-poo the kind of dreams like, and those kind of thoughts. Like, you've got to dream big. It's just the nostalgia behind it as well because I've recently just signed with new management and we're going down this completely different um, project for me and I say completely different I love singing these songs and this is what's brought the fan base on TikTok is me singing all those big 90s ballads that you don't really hear on the radio anymore so that's exactly what we're trying to create now so we've got kind of a bunch of writers and producers all on board and everyone's kind of we're going to have a writing camp and it's going to be all based on literally kind of writing songs for my voice rather than trying to sound current or trying to sound like there's a catchy hook there or whatever so um and I think there is a space in the market for it 100% because I know the likes of Adele and Louis Capaldi and stuff but female wise I know Adele's been on a bit of a break so it's like there is probably room for someone to to like take that yeah. um, not necessarily take her place because she's she's huge and she doesn't even she doesn't need help she could drop a record tomorrow and it would go to number one like because of like who she is um and her fan base but yeah songs like that it just takes you right back to where where I started and what songs I was singing from when I was really young and I think people miss that kind of music mm. yeah like when you put on a, you'd covered a, a Jojo mm-hmm. song for me that's like me on a Sunday trying to take the charts on my hi-fi that's amazing in terms of moving to London you're saying obviously you made the decision it was the right time to do that yeah. did that give you the impetus for writing more as well as performing other people's music well I mean I'd been writing from about 12 or 13 years old yeah so I'd always been writing to be honest I was just the cover thing for me is almost like a stepping stone because original music until you've got a massive budget and a label behind you um, it's very difficult for people to take interest in um because they don't know it so it's like when you're singing the covers they know that oh my heart will go on or I will always love you if you can sing that oh you must be good that kind of thing so it gives you allows you to have a platform especially like YouTube when I started on YouTube years ago like gives you that platform and when you're singing what I would try and do it at least would be I would sing it how Red would sing it it was it was never a copycat version it was like how I would sing these songs um, if, I, if Katy Perry had released this song or Ariana, I would get on it, jump on it, but I would do my own take on it. And I, and the writing side of things, it was always in the background. It was always in the background. It just wasn't at the forefront. And I did a couple of videos and I've released music over the years and worked with so many different producers. Um, and I had actually a single released 
in Japan a couple of years ago um, with like the Christina Aguilera of Japan. And I've had loads of little different um, songwriting cuts that have happened over the years, um, writing for other people as, as well as myself. And I think I've spent years also sort of very kind of torn and I love I love so many different genres so trying to develop my sound has been quite difficult especially when you if I've been involved with different managers and they've been they've been influencing me as well on what's happening in the charts or what works in the charts right now um because I've got a big voice I kind of was always told to sort of shy away from it from a lot of people because it didn't work in the pop charts so now that we're going down this route of writing these big beautiful ballads with big big notes and, and big beautiful melodies like those 90s Mariah Carey Whitney ballads um it just seems like that's I, you need to play to your strengths and I feel mm. like that is actually my ballpark so I do think that and also it's missing as well so I feel like everyone's going to be like wow um well I hope they are well a lot of the TikTok stuff I've been doing as well like everyone writes in the comments like oh my god I'd buy your album tomorrow like and it's all the songs that are the Mariah Carey ballads and the the Tony Braxton's Unbreak My Heart, like Power of Love, like Celine's. So it's all these things that have did really, really well for you guys on TikTok. So I think if there's definitely a market for it, 100%. I don't know if it's because there's nostalgia behind it, but I don't know. Like I might offend people by saying this, and I, I do love trap and rap music and R&B music, big fan of R&B music. So some of the singles that I've released in the past year, I decided I was going to release an R&B EP. Because I knew I loved that the soulful vocals and I and I loved the technique and the runs and those R and B melodies and chords, I, I I just loved them. Um, so I knew I wanted to do that kind of record. So, no disrespect, I don't want to offend anyone, but I just feel like when you go back to the charts right now, like who's really gonna remember that that rap or like I don't think people are gonna go, oh, do you remember that time where that song was like, do you remember know I mean? that it touched you? Like, well, we played that in Valentine's Day, like. From your perspective, I guess it's like just creating the music that you want to create that feels mm-hmm. you. And yeah, it, you've experimented and you've taken opportunities and you've, you know, gone with your gut and also you've mm-hmm. been advised or influenced by other people's kind of input. And that that's fine. That's yeah. what it means to be a creative in any shape or form. But yeah, it's almost like you've come full circle back to the stuff that you've always loved singing to be then be influenced to write your own stuff. Do you have like a creative process for writing Creative process. Well, even more recently, I've started getting involved in the K-pop stuff because my partner, Mark, is just absolutely killing it over in Asia. Um, absolutely killing it. He had a number one in China last year and it's just mm. all these amazing opportunities he's had. So we're, we were writing a K-pop girl band song yesterday, actually. Um, and, I mean, cre- creative process for me is literally, well, recently, because of COVID, it's been on Zoom. So we've had producers on Zoom, writers on Zoom, and everyone just basically, especially, there's nothing like being in a room together, though, because that atmosphere and just buzzing off of each other's ideas. Um, and I just think it's so organic that way. Whereas, like, I get a bit stressed personally when I write on my own. Like, I feel there's, there's extra pressure. Whereas there's that, just that studio vibe, that relaxed vibe when you're when you're in the room with other people that have got amazing ideas and you're like, oh, what about this? Oh, that sounds sick. Yeah, what about that? But then add this. Like, I just love that. But yeah, creative process is like more... Well, recently, yeah, it's like someone sends a beat, a producer sends a beat. I start off by like sort of humming the melodies into my voice memos, which I think most people do. And then you can work backwards from the chorus as well if you can get a really strong chorus going. Um, and again, just humming the melodies over that, over the chords, over that track. And then think about what you want to talk about. Or even if you give yourself a title, 
to then elaborate on because I write from either past experience or most recently been writing um sort of fiction I guess it is like more imaginative <laughs> well basically I wrote this amazing ballad the other day that's all about heartbreak but m- me and Mark have I've got a great relationship. <laughs> so I really write about heartbreak. I, I, do you know what I mean? So I had yeah. to it from a different perspective and um, and ended up going back and tapping into this, like old relationships and how I felt in like my younger years and things like that. Because um, I'm quite happy now. So you, you have Good, to... That's nice to hear. Open <laughs> your horizons and just think about the yeah. box. You're, you're just going to be stuck in a wee box singing about... You can't just sing about how happy you are all the time because... So many people out there are not going to, like, yeah, they're going to relate, but there's also plenty of other things that you can talk about. Mm. Next, I know you have obviously collaborated on videos and stuff. Like, I was scrolling back to, there was one particular you did, I think it was Tony, um, was it Ed Sheeran and... Oh, was it Ed Sheeran and Tony Kelly? Yes. It was nothing but cheese, wasn't it? It was was very cute. It was very cute. I loved it. I remember loving it at the time. Yeah, we were very new back then because we were best friends before we started dating and then we were recording these covers and it just was sickening to watch, I think. You've got that documented forever now. (laughs) I'm glad you enjoyed it. I do love that song. (laughs) I discovered you years and years ago from seeing Soul Nation Choir perform at an event. And and I knew some of the people in the choir, but not really not realizing it until I saw the choir on stage, mm-hmm. and then you know just saw you performing and was just like totally blown away. And has there been kind of standout opportunities or things that you've been part of in your entire career to this date that feel like pivotal or feel like they were kind of instrumental in where you are now? Oh, hundred percent. Especially the choir. I can't even. Chris Judge is an absolute legend anyway, and I knew Chris from being taught by him from when I was like 12 did a couple of lessons and then we were just had a beautiful beautiful friendship and he would support me and everything and look out for opportunities and then when he set up the choir it helped me even even vocally that musical theory as well like I never kind of knew how to harmonize and things like that before I met Chris because you're always singing lead as a younger singer so it's like Mm. harmonizing was never a thing I think there's a thing actually I've seen recently online that you're either the person that harmonizes with the radio ad-libs with the radio or you just sing along um with the melody and I'm the ad-libber so if there's a song on the radio I'm like like rather than the harmonizing but Mark harmonizes but yeah no I learned a lot from the choir and just the choir felt like natural as well like just a bunch of really talented people coming together doing what they love and just having the best time and having the best opportunities given to us by Chris and we did some incredible things even when the hydro opened we got to do we got to sing with Deacon Blue and Murrayfield and Subo and just all these amazing opportunities and stages that you could only dream of as well so from a young age like like it's just amazing like you can't on stuff like that so I've, I've been blessed in that sense and and then with the backing vocal thing recently, I started down here with a backing vocal agency called Vocal Code. And Aditone has also been amazing and really vouches for me. So I ended up on tour with John Newman and was doing BBs for him and was on Jonathan Ross and, and all these in sport relief and all these dreams. Almost like, I guess it's sometimes in a way living your dream through a big Hi. artist. But I want to be that. I want to be on John's level. But at the moment, I'm loving being a part of his team and his band and some incredible opportunities. And I have a fantastic relationship with him. But yeah, I did the live lounge with Carly Rae Jepsen. And the live lounge is iconic. So it's just moments like that. I'm just I'm just baffled by it. And I'm just so grateful. 
obviously you're there because you have put the work in you are incredibly talented like you're saying you were born with this gift but you have totally nurtured that talent you have spent so much time making sure that you know you're the best that you can be and you absolutely obviously deserve all of those opportunities when the opportunity is there it's whether you take it or not and that and that's what you've obviously done you've just you've just put yourself out there yeah, totally. And what I've obviously noticed with them, with being a backing vocalist, I've absolutely adored it because you don't, like, obviously you don't have the, the nerves and things like that that you would get as a solo artist and the pressure on you to make sure that you're singing everything on point. There obviously is, to an extent, you have to do a fantastic job, and especially with John, like, you're not just the average backing vocalist. He literally wants two Beyonces behind him. So there's choreo and stuff involved and the stamina behind it and doing these arena gigs. And we did some arena gigs, um, 2019 Christmas gigs, and they were with Rita Ora, Lewis Capaldi, Craig David, all these amazing... And they're just walking by. Like, I'm having to play it really cool. I'm like, oh, I'm, like, as if, oh, hi, Rita, like, whilst we're in the canteen. Like, it's just mad. But I just think, like, but the voice you have, like, if anybody was just to, like, take a second to listen to it. I mean, even when you just did that wee run earlier on, I was just, like, blown away. <laughs> but it's just no denying, like, the talent that's there. I mean, I'm just almost, like, how are you know up front and centre? And yeah. and it'll happen, I guess. I and, and, that'll, and that'll be a choice as well for you. Because I'm sure there's been opportunities where you maybe have had that opportunity and you it's just not felt right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people also don't realise the ins and outs of the industry as well. So you could get offered an incredible major label deal, but you are given like no creative process whatsoever and you're not allowed to you have no creative input in any of your music and all the percentages and all the royalties are going to the label and and a lot of artists even Katy Perry and Katy Perry was living in her car at one point and like had no money to her name and was releasing a gospel album and then all of a sudden they dropped her and she's back to square one again and and then they want it to sound like Avril Lavigne. And it's just, that's the industry that it is. And it's it's just trying to make sure that everything's fair. Labels and management don't necessarily see you as a person. They see you as a product and a brand. And for you, you want to have that longevity and you've built up a fan base already on your own. You're like, I've got a thing going on already. So I want to make sure whatever I'm doing, like I'm happy. It's like my brand almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's definitely important. And I think just what I've learned over the years is just to be yourself because I have mm. been influenced so many times by other people and I've just felt like I've been put in a box and told to not necessarily shut up, but do you know, like when you're younger, you're thinking that these people with these credentials and experience know better. And you're like, right, I need to, to obviously listen here and really observe. And they obviously know what they're talking about, but also when they're trying to just put you in a wee pink dress and I just like it's just ridiculous Mm. and like yeah like Katy Perry's situation where we want you to sound like Avril Lavigne and she's just like why can't I just sound like Katy Perry she obviously has gone through a transition and that there'll be a certain amount of that of just like influence and growing up maturity and the kind of music that you're into ah yeah you do evolve but evolve as a person as well so the music that even you loved to write back then now you've heard look at all these different genres that are now coming up that you're like oh like we're... so even afro soul and afro beat and all that's now getting put into songs and pop and 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 everyone's like if everyone's got a, a liking for that you try and incorporate what's happening and yeah it's mm-hmm. just evolving as a person as well as just liking new music i think it was 2009 
or to, maybe it was a bit later than that, but like it was just nothing but pop dance songs in the charts, and it was David Guetta featuring everyone. It was yes. David Guetta and Neo, it was David Guetta and Nicki Minaj, it was David Guetta and Justin Bieber, it was it was every oh what Usher's song with David Guetta without you. That was such a big tune. That was beautiful. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was just like pop dance was the thing, so everyone wanted to jump on it regardless of like whether or not it was their sound. Calvin Harris thing was just blowing up, and and then everyone was Rihanna's doing We Found Love, and yeah, like so, music just evolves, doesn't it? We've we've kind of touched on the last year, and it's it's been difficult for everybody and a, a number for a number of reasons, of course. But in terms of the creative industries and performing arts and stuff, like it just felt like it almost like shut down overnight. And we were all going, "What are we doing now? Has it been a useful time? Can you salvage anything from this time that feels good?" can definitely salvage a lot of things to be honest I think what you find is you prioritize things that are going to pay the bills in comparison to like being creative and doing stuff that you love sometimes you let that go on the back burner for the time being because you're Mm. thinking oh well that's going to pay this or that's all that'll pay for my new sofa or blah like I'm like it would normally be equipment or something like or whatnot and I do love my holidays as well (laughs) um so yeah no this past year I think it's been one for self-care, 100%. And obviously there's been down moments as well, very down moments, because some of the stuff I was meant to do last year was meant to be some of the most incredible things I would, like, it's going to be pinnacle in my career. It was going to be the best yet, almost. And then all of a sudden, all down this whole But, I mean, we're all in the same boat and we've all stuck together. And as long as we're happy and healthy, that's that's all you can really ask for. But, yeah, I've just tried to be creative and especially with TikTok as well. Obviously, that's blown up over the past year, and I just thought, better jump on this. I'll regret it if I don't. And obviously, now I have this huge fan base, and, and I'm loving it. Um, Yeah, and I just and I think of the bigger picture all the time. It's not necessarily I want to be a TikTok star. I make, I make fun of myself when my, my friends all got me a birthday cake that said she's TikTok famous. <laughs> yes. That's not the goal, obviously. The goal is for me to have this huge fan base that are going to be there to listen to my music. When I really set my original stuff, and I can depend on them to be a part of like Red's journey to success. So, yeah, no, the past year there's been some some beautiful moments. So can't, yeah, can't. Obviously, there's been it's been the good and the bad. Technology, like that stuff like this, FaceTime, and we just don't know how lucky we are. Like I'm going back to like, and I'm not, I'm not that old, but. I remember my Nokia. You, all you could do was play Snake on that and phone. And then you, when you text, it was like trying to find each individual. You had to go through all the... Yeah. It was a nightmare. You had to click all the numbers. Um, And now you can FaceTime because I've not seen my family since September and I, I really miss them because I ended up with COVID over the Christmas period. It, I mean, I'm very lucky and I feel a bit of guilt for saying that it didn't hit me that bad. It didn't. I was very lucky and none of my family have been affected. So I'm very thankful for that. But but yeah, so I've not I've never seen them for Christmas and it's just been a hard time because obviously even me and Mark and if everyone will be finding that you're just living in your partner's pocket as well. Like you can't yeah, I've just lived in this cupboard for a year. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Do you know what? We've been living in this studio, so at least we've been been creative. And I started teaching recently as well. So that's that's been Oh really, cool. Yeah, I've been loving that. And I never thought my wildest dreams I'd be teaching people from Argentina like Brazil, Australia. I mean, the time zones are hilarious, like getting up at like crazy o'clock or doing lessons at 10 o'clock at night so that it matches someone else's time zone. But talking YouTube and my fan base has, has allowed me to do that. Is that something that you've done before or is this just uh-huh. again an, an opportunity to, to make time for it, I guess? 
yeah, opportunity to make time for it. And then also you've got to like, I'm taking into account financially as well, because obviously a lot of our live work has all been cancelled. Obviously the performing arts have been absolutely shafted in this, <laughs> um, in this pandemic, which is a dear shame. So you obviously had to branch out and think of different ways of making revenue. Obviously I, I love doing it, but obviously that's financially beneficial as well. Great. Yeah, no, I started doing it years ago. And actually before I left for London, I had my little own, like my own theatre school that I'd set up in Cumbernauld. And, I had about 20 to 25 kids that were religiously coming and they were loving it. But I just knew that you, you would need to be 100% if you're going to open your own school, I think. like That's something late in, in the years for me personally because I, I know that I'm going after my dreams still. And I think if you're going after your dreams and you've got other commitments, you're not going to be committed to those kids. So doing it once a week back home whilst I was home, I loved it. But then I thought, I want to move to London and, and pursue my career and, and be a like, do you know what I mean? A massive success. Like, this is not gonna work out. And I used to do workshops for my friend Lisa, your friend, our friend, yeah, yeah, um, at Fever Pitch as well. So we do some um, workshops for her, and te- I was teaching there for a short period. And I just loved teaching kids, and I love seeing talent in them, and I love seeing mm. how my techniques and my help and guidance can help them. And I just get such a buzz from it. I get, I really do. But yeah, like you say, it's it's like making those choices. What am I going to prioritise? What's important to me right now? And mm-hmm. it's just all part of your kind of story, I guess, your journey. Exactly. And the thing is, I can do that from home. Like, it's very easy to be done um, from home. And I've, and I've just been loving meeting new people. And, and they'll tell me as well, like, all, like my students, like I have such a fantastic relationship with all of them. We're more like a, a family than anything. I know that sounds a bit cheesy, but I go above and beyond for them. It's not just a one-hour lesson. It's literally if they voice memo me at all times of day or night, it's like I'm practicing this red, but how do I? Oh, it's not sounding like how do I deliver it here? Or oh, it's cracking there, and I'll be like, right, pronounce it like this. That's gonna help. Like, do you know what I mean like just things like that? So I do get, I do feel it's really rewarding. And then also even starting off like just meeting meeting everyone for the first time, meeting new students. It's like they they'll tell me, oh, I seen your video that was like um, Miley Cyrus Wrecking Ball, and that was like. 11 years ago 10 years ago that I did that so it's like god you've been on this journey for that length of time or it's like we've seen your don't you worry about a thing which was four years ago and it's just it's it just takes me back and I'm thinking wow like I've really got some good people in my life to have people like that following me for that length of time and, and that invested in little me for Cumbernauld <laughs> what I mean sometimes I can't I can't even fathom it like last night Lauren Alred like the original singer for Never Enough posted my um, duet on our page and my page has just been blowing up it's just been blowing up and I have all the and John Barrowman liked it oh my word I know and then it's just been mad and Megan Trainer followed me on TikTok last week it's just it's just insane and I'm just I'm actually sitting there just shook I don't even know what to say I'm like oh my god almost you look at these people like they're like from another planet and you're like no they're just people who had a dream that worked hard and got the opportunity and grabbed it and and now they're Megan Trainer or whatever following you and TikTok. <laughs> you know, it's I, I find doing the back and vocal stuff because obviously when you've got like Rita Ora and Louis Capaldi and all these people walking by you um, at these gigs, you're just you're just normal. Do you mean they're turning up with no makeup on, hair in a bun, doing sound check, eating the same steak pie that you're eating? Do you know what I mean? It's just like they're just normal people. Um, so it's I say play it cool because like sometimes in my head I'm thinking, oh my god, like Rita Ora's standing in front of me, like, and I'm just meant to kind of pretend she's just 
Rita, like. <laughs> but then it's starting to get a bit normal, which is nice. Um, not normal, but you belong in that arena. Like you're, you're, you're not an imposter. Do you know what I mean? You're supposed to be there. Yeah, that's the thing. Just got to know that you are on that kind of not the same level, but as like we're just all human. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I think it's wonderful and. You know, I'm just excited to see what you got up to next. I'm for so sure. excited. I'm so excited, and I, I honestly can't thank you enough for having me on the podcast. Oh my word, it's a total pleasure. You're you're now in the clan. I'm going to take you on to what's called the Thingamabobs. Well, in fact, that's a lie. It's not called the Thingamabobs. It's called the Hingamajigs. It was called the Thingamabobs, but they're just random questions that I select from a list for each guest to get to know them a wee bit. Okay, we'll start with relatively easy one. Do you call it a house coat or a dressing gown? Dressing gown all the way, and I live in it. I genuinely put it. I mean, I'm quite surprised. I'm surprised I've not got it on today, to be honest. I literally live in it. I put it on over clothes at any time of the day. Dressing gown is on. Favorite childhood meal? Tuna pasta. It's the only thing that I could make for years as well until I moved out. <laughs> My mum would be like, "Well, she needs to really get herself a grip because all she's making these days is tuna pasta and boiling an egg." I'm actually quite a good cook now, mind you, but it wasn't until you have to do it for yourself, like when you move out. But yeah, tuna pasta, salad cream all over it. Loved it. Oh, this is going to be murder for you to pick, but... Oh no, favourite song, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's even probably even more specific. Best ever song lyric? I always go back to the same one. I need to get... I get. I always go back to the same one. It's Jessie J's Who You Are. Just be true to who you are. Love that. Can you handle a couple more? Yeah, I'd love a couple of more. I'm well enjoying this. Finish this sentence. I have always wanted to... Oh, that's hard. I've always wanted to go on tour. I've always wanted to go on tour. And I keep saying it. And then COVID happened. But everyone's always like, when are you going to come to Texas? And when are you going to come to these places? And I'm like, are you going to fund it? <laughs> In the bus, pal. I'll be there. <laughs> Thoughts become things. You'll make it happen. Yeah, putting it out there. Manifestations. You've probably been asked this a million times. But if you could duet with anyone, who would it be? Oh, she's dead. But it would be Whitney. It always was Whitney. But now it would be Christina Aguilera. But I do think she would honestly... I don't even... She'd just sing me under the table. I swear to God, I used to... That whole stripped album growing up. And even back to basics. My mum took me to see her when I was 12 at Wembley Arena. And I literally cried the whole concert. Tears dripping down my face. I just think she was fantastic. Still think she's fantastic. Because I went to see her with Lisa, actually, like... November 2019 in Glasgow. I was just absolutely adored to have a, have a duet with her. I thought it's really difficult to say a duet because, like, Beyonce would be incredible as well. Like, so many people have influenced Celine Dion. Like, could you imagine? Yes. Like, I'd just cry in her face. <laughs> and the last question that I ask everybody, so I switch up all the other ones, but the one that I ask everyone is, what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? I've been saying Beelin recently. I think so many. I honestly am the proudest Scottish person ever. And I love being in Scottish company. I just think, because we had Scottish housemates up until only a month ago, actually. But just having that sense of home and the dialect and the banter, and it's hard. Like, I've got a podcast tomorrow, and, I, and I, it's a fantastic podcast, but I know that I'm going to find it difficult to try and use different words. And I think I'm funnier when I'm more Scottish. So I need to ring the Scottish in a little bit so they can understand me. There are so many boggins, amazing. I love that one. Um, I bet I'll think of loads. Peely Wally, I looked at that today. <laughs> oh, listen, Red, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, 
I know I've totally fangirled you, but I do think you're awesome. And I, I do wish you all the best in whatever you get up to next. And I'll be following with bated breath to see what adventures you're going on next. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, I've had the best time, hun. And especially you taking off as well. So massive congratulations on even just being fantastic at this. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Bra and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.